Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. I'm Tim Grady, and I'm looking forward to our interview today as I speak with Norbert Orr, who is the Director of Industry Surveys for Strategus. And I'll let Norbert lay out the uh, report that he's going to do. Typically, we talk to him about the, his Global Survey Insights Report. And we're appreciative to Strategus. And Norbert, help me get the name right, is uh, Strategus, because it's not just Strategus. It is Strategus. But isn't it Strategus Research Partners or? Actually, it's uh, uh, Strategus Securities now. Uh, okay, was, I knew <laughs> it was Strategus Research Partners. Uh, certainly, we're not a, a consumer name. We're not a household name. Uh, but on in the financial community, uh, we are a research firm. We sell that research to uh, uh, our customers, and uh, Strategus is a name that's uh, pretty well known within the financial community. And I'm sure that's true, and I know that your research has been outstanding. We have enjoyed having you on the show for several years now, and you were previously with the Institute for Supply Management and was the chair for their ISM Purchasing Managers Index report, so you know the subject well. Uh, I've been around the block with this uh, information. Uh, not long ago, I was talking to somebody that wasn't familiar with it, and I said, you know, actually, if I add everything up between as a participant and later as a manager and uh, uh, spokesperson, et cetera, uh, it probably comes out around 45 years that I've been involved with uh, uh, the change indexes and, and the impact they can have on uh, uh, our, our policymakers, knowing that we're, we're uh, growing or knowing that we're failing to grow. And I certainly encourage people to either get the ISM report if you're um, – in general interested. However, if you're a manufacturer, you need to get a hold of Norbert so that you can participate in his report, which comes out, by the way, mid-month. So it's about two weeks earlier than the ISM number. Has been uh, tracking uh, as well with the ISM number. And you get two excellent insight reports from Strategus, so I encourage any manufacturer to get a hold of Norbert and begin to participate in that. You can always shoot us an email at info at msgtalkradio.com, and we'll send it over to Norbert as well. So, Norbert, let's get into your Global Survey Insights Report. That's the one I'm most fascinated with, the scattergram that you create, which is a, a plot map of where the various countries are going with their PMI indexes, and, and it looks like the flock of starlings are all headed up and to the right. Uh, it really does. And uh, in the time that we've been doing this uh, scattergram to see uh, what the, the 18 countries that we uh, track to see what they look like, uh, this is probably the best the map has ever looked. 
uh, as you said, it would look like a flock of birds taking off, uh, all going in the same direction. And that direction would be they're both, a, it is a strengthening uh, index and it is an expanding index. So the depth and the breadth are both there uh, and showing up uh, so that I think we've got uh, 14 uh countries that are, are growing, uh, and just a, a few that are only Mexico at 42.4. Mexico is the only negative. Uh, Japan is sitting on the 50 mark, meaning there's no change from the month before, but that's not necessarily bad. So what we're seeing is a t- uh, tremendous uh, uh period in time for uh, the, the countries that we, we follow, and uh, we expect that to continue for a while. So uh, it's a, it's a good, uh, good tool to be able to talk to these issues. And Norbert, Lou and I over the years following this report, particularly over 2020, which was a tumultuous year, because of the impact of COVID, we're both surprised that this report on the PMI coming out of ISM, coming out of you, coming out of other sources, is favorable. Now, I know we're not back to pre-COVID levels, but we didn't collapse and we're not headed for a recession or worse. What is, if you will, propping up manufacturing? Yeah, I guess the best way I can explain it, Tim, uh, uh, is to quote myself. Uh, the uh, number of months ago, I just happened to, to see this and looking at some research and so on recently. A, a number of months ago, when this early on started, uh, I made the statement to uh, uh, somebody in the media that uh, this time, you know, every time we go through an economic challenge, we always say, well, this time is different. And the answer comes back eventually, well, it it really wasn't different. Uh, uh, (laughs) And so we repeat that cycle. But back in April, I was asked about it, and uh, I said, we always say this time is different. I said, the one thing I can assure you of this time is not uh, is different from uh, any other cycle that we've had probably since a uh, hundred years ago in the last pandemic, uh, because people didn't know what to anticipate. They did, mm-hmm. Nobody knew how to plan. And uh, the thing we do best in uh, our businesses in the U.S. is the planning phase and so on. So uh, it really is a different cycle. Uh, it's different because uh, small businesses struggled tremendously. Uh, some of that was their fault, not much. A lot of it was the fault of uh, policymakers. Uh, and, uh, and they they didn't have the tools to tell them what was going on and where they, uh, you know, uh, as somebody said one time, uh, half of what we know is wrong. We just don't know which half. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've heard that applied to advertising as well quite accurately. <laughs> 
so uh, you know we really have uh, a different situation, particularly because uh, the and the reason the ISM data and these other surveys show is because uh, the the panel in those uh, situations is uh, made up of mid to large size companies. It doesn't include the small companies, the sole proprietorships, the partnerships, and so on at the lower end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. so we don't get a good reading on that. And the mid to large size companies aren't hurt as badly. Uh, the mid to large size companies supply the major retailers and uh, they're, they're the, the manufacturers and so on. Uh, I, I got a report from Japan. They were talking about Toyota uh, was able to maintain 86% of its production. Wow. Uh, and when you compare that to some other Asian car makers, the others were down in the 14 to 20 range. So right. the big dog uh, didn't, in fact, if anything, probably gained from that process uh, along the way. Yeah, they probably did. But that, I, so, I, think that's why, I think that's why it's different. I think it's why we'll see it be different uh, here in the next six months before it starts to, to really level out again and uh, uh, start to get back to, to more of a uh, uh, typical business cycle recovery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it certainly has appeared to be the V recovery that everybody hoped for. Is it that way also in uh, Europe, or are they going through additional gyrations because they have been more aggressive about I'm not sure aggressive is the right word. They have shut down, opened up, shut down, opened up more than we have. Uh, on, on average, they're doing okay. Uh, and again, if you look at the scattergram, you see that uh, uh, the European zone, uh, Germany's, Germany's at 58.3. Uh, wow. Anytime Germany is above 55, uh, they're really carrying an awful lot of what's going on in Europe. And because they're the bellwether for uh, European manufacturing. Uh, so, you know, they're looking good. The uh, J.P. Morgan Global Manufacturing Index came in at 53.8, which is the highest that that's been in, uh, in years. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're getting... Um, they're 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 uh, they're doing okay. If actually better than okay, as I was to think about it. Uh, and what percentage do you know is Germany's economy made up of a manufacturing? I know ours is depending on who you ask, twelve percent, twenty percent, thirty percent. Is Germany higher than that in terms of percentage? Uh, no, they're pretty typically in the in that general vicinity. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's amazing when you look at this data over across borders and, and everything, uh, how similar it, it becomes. Uh, you know, Germany is uh, a little more prone toward having the large businesses and a lot of small businesses. The, they don't have the middle uh, businesses uh, in manufacturing 
as much as they once did. Well, we also have talked about almost ad nauseum, but I find it fascinating to watch the European Union and one of their members decide to leave. It would be like if Texas decides to leave the United States and become the Republic of Texas, which they frequently mention. Uh, <laughs> uh, England, or the UK, has now completed the deal. They're out of the UK. Um, what's your projection on what they're going to do? I mean, what are they looking like right now? It seems to me they're, they're holding up pretty well. Uh, well, uh, this month, the index for the U.K. Uh, was at 57.5. Uh, th- I think that maybe uh, looks a little uh, uh, suspicious from this standpoint. Given the fact that January 1st was the cutover from Brexit, uh, I think there was probably a lot of pre-ordering that went on. And so uh, I saw new orders and production both up significantly. So the, the real challenge is going to be in the second quarter, what's it look like then? Mm-hmm. You know, if it's above 52, it'll be pretty solid for the second quarter. Uh, but I wouldn't at all be surprised to see it uh, uh, below 52 in, in the second quarter. Okay. Well, that's that's interesting. You make an interesting point. We have seen that in other areas, particularly when they put on the steel tariffs, uh, kind of buying in advance to pull it through before the tariff hits. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, the U.K. did that as well. Uh, I'm not a U.K. or a Brexit expert, um, so I don't know anything about how Ireland fared, Scotland fared, Wales fared. And if they're all willing to stay in this new deal, or if there are rumblings of, eh, we may want to get out of this UK thing. Have you heard any of that, Norbert? Yeah, a, a good bit of it. Uh, apparently, the the biggest rumblings are coming from Scotland. That they ah. claim that they want to exit and they, that they would rather be part of the European Union. I, I don't know whether that's an elitist uh, a solution that they they don't want to uh, have to uh, uh, try to to make it as much on their own as they might with Britain. Uh, so uh, I, I'll I'll wait to withhold judgment on that. Uh, the the thing I relied on Tim and, and on our phone calls I've pretty consistently I think said I think it's going to work out just fine. The UK is going to. Uh, uh, to make it through all of this, and actually, in the end game, they will probably be better off uh, because of it. Uh, they they are not as much of a socialist country as France, Italy, Spain, uh, and so I think they uh, they have a uh, a better opportunity. The other thing I, that I think about is uh, I, I went to a presentation by uh, a professor who was specifically focused all of his research on the UK and the European Union. And he pointed out that if you look at the trade flows, the United States and and the UK are much more 
compatible than the United States and France. You know, if, if you take wine and cheese off the uh, equation, the <laughs> right. uh, United States doesn't buy a lot from France. Uh, maybe uh, maybe uh, some tennis clothing in in there here or there, but uh, you you get my point. Uh, the, the the trade flows are between the U.S. and the U.K. and and the trade flows are such that uh, uh, the two of those benefit from each other. Uh, and when you count the trade flows, it's not just what's exported in, in terms of uh, products and, and that type of thing. It's it's co-ownership or ownership of uh, businesses, companies. You, you think of the pharmaceutical companies that are UK-based and uh, the amount of ownership there is in the U.S. and so on. There's much more of a tie-in. Uh, American shareholders are much more likely to buy shares, I think, in a British company than they are a French company, for instance. I'm picking on France, but it really applies to the others. So that's what I've relied on is there's a basis of uh, uh, cooperation between the U.S. and the U.K. that I think will serve the U.K. well. Now, uh, the big issue is going to be are we going to uh, – that direction has been set. Is, is anything going to happen politically over there or over here that's going to change that direction? Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting you mentioned wine and cheese. I'd have to throw in there, and few people will know this, although they're hearing it referenced in a commercial on TV these days, uh, the chicken wars. <laughs> and I, I won't take the time, and I know you know about number to explain what the chicken wars are, but it's been going on for a hundred years or more between the U.S. and France. If anybody wants to Google the chicken wars, you'll find a fascinating story there. Uh, number, all of these rely on a purchasing manager's index uh, formulation that you were involved with, and you helped Taiwan set theirs up. How are our friends in Taiwan doing these days? Oh, they're happy. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> they're, they're happy. Uh, Taiwan came in, at, let me see. Oh, at 61.3, uh, right up there with ISM Manufacturing. And uh, uh, now Taiwan uh, has been concerned because the Chinese have been playing a lot of games militarily. Uh, invading airspace and uh, saber rattling, uh, et cetera. Um, so uh, they they should, but the, right now they're doing well. You know, they're, Taiwan is built around semiconductors, and right now the demand for semiconductors is very strong. So they're doing mm-hmm. well. Okay. And so is the rest of Asia, and I know the the flock of uh, starlings is going up and to the right, and by the way, that means uh, growing and strengthening of the scattergram. The rest of Asia is doing well equally? Uh, Not equally. Uh, China China, uh, backed off just a little bit this month, but they never vary that much. Again, it comes back to how good is the data that comes out of there. Uh, 
the uh, Japan uh, broke even. South Korea has kind of pulled out of its slump and uh, is looking better at this point and should be able to uh, do 52.9, which has been, which is extraordinary for them in recent uh, years. So uh, hopefully they'll do that. Uh, then you get into Singapore uh, has uh, been hit hard uh, uh, along with uh, Hong Kong. Uh, the, uh, the those countries. Th- then you have the ASEA group, which is uh, uh, Vietnam, uh, Myanmar, uh, and four other countries, five other countries in in Asia. They all are right, Indonesia would count. Uh, uh, they all are right in the uh, uh, break-even point. Uh, not a lot of strength. Uh, I thought that we would see a lot of uh, movement, uh, moving uh, goods from being produced in China to being produced in Vietnam uh, and the other countries and so on. That didn't happen very quickly, and therefore now it's suspect as to whether that will happen at all. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Yeah, I thought there would be a wave of companies running out of China and heading to other ports in the Southeast Asia region or coming back home or Mexico. I don't know that we saw any wave of any kind. Well, you know, supply chains tend to, to uh, evolve. Somebody doesn't move in with a new uh, idea and take over everything. Uh, it's more an evolution. You have to have a transition. Uh, as you well know in your business, uh, dyes become a major factor for uh, people that are uh, changing their supply chain around. Do, how many sets of dyes do they have to have for, for products and so on? So uh, it's, it's a big difference. Uh, but right now, you know, we're also seeing uh, a, a lot of uh, ma- manufacturers that are, are still short products to run uh, their lines, and uh, they're, and they're short people, where people have not come back to their jobs or because of the type of work it is, uh, they see it as particularly risky. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how quickly the vaccines uh, take hold, uh, as uh, as I know you are aware, uh, the the vaccines. Uh, there's uh, a push to do that. I'm in Atlanta, and uh, it's the talk of the town trying to get vaccines to the right places and, and so on, uh, so that people who were not going back to work can go back to work. Right. Right. That is going to be the big challenge, certainly, is getting the people back to work. Um, that's what we're seeing in some of these reports where the employment numbers are below 50 or hovering around 50, and they've come down from 52-something. Um, and it's largely because I can't pull them back into work if they're quarantined. Uh, so we'll have to see how that uh, plays out. Um, let's shift for the moment to um, South America, and then I kind of want to talk about what I think is a sleeping giant, and that's Africa. Uh, South America has a total population of about 422 million people, 
for our listeners. Um, that's why it's not such a hotbed of economic activity. It's certainly one that's interesting politically. Do you do much study on the purchasing managers indexes in South America, Norbert? Uh, I've, I've actually done more looking at the markets in South America than than the indexes, uh, because I, I don't trust the the information coming out. Uh, I, I uh, just have not found that they're consistent about what they they do with that. Uh, you know the. The key to, uh, to to say Africa uh, it really comes back to uh, uh, basically how uh, well structured is their economy? How how does the rule of law apply? And so you have those countries that are politically unstable, uh, even in the best of times. Right. So it's it's hard to uh hard to make investment the the investment in South America that's pretty good has been uh commodities and where where they have natural resources and so on uh moving being able to to mine and uh and ship that uh whether it's uh, uh bauxite or or whatever it is uh, they they have uh, some wealth there that they can rely on, um, but I, I'm I'm still reluctant uh, about Africa. Uh, I just look at it from an investment choice standpoint. If if uh, if I were investing, I, I would uh, find better investments than what I thought uh, Africa could be. Yes, it, uh, I think it's going to struggle with uh, logistics problems and, and political uncertainty for a long time, tragically. Uh, I think it's got a lot of potential, but I don't know if it will realize its potential. Well, In the it, overall... Oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, it needs... Uh, they need help, and it would be great if we were in a position, but uh, with our position financially... Uh, we better focus on what we have to do to take care of ourselves uh, or else we're going to be doing it at the expense of uh, of our future and the next generation. And the one after that, apparently. <laughs> yeah, we, we, um, we, we, we're pretty far down the line. Yeah, we're digging a pretty deep hole. <laughs> we're going right. to be coming out on the other side of the world soon. Uh, Norbert, in the overall, I'm guessing that we're not at pre-COVID levels, but we're not that far off as we kind of sum up and wrap this up. Would that be accurate? Actually, as far as, far as the uh, survey data is concerned, I think we're, we are probably right at the beginning of being uh, at pre-COVID levels. Uh, you know, and that's obviously a, a positive. The only thing is you have to remember a change index uh, is measuring uh, th this month against last month. It doesn't measure necessarily this month against this month five years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. And so right. Uh, it's, uh, it's difficult to say. Uh, you know that we're uh, we, we've caught up and, and we're ahead of ourselves just because the numbers look that way. You've got to look at some other things in terms of GDP growth and 
and uh, problems with employment, uh, et cetera. No doubt. Well, Norbert, we appreciate you being with us again on Manufacturing Talk Radio, and we want to thank Strategus Securities because you work there and help them put these reports together, and they look at things globally as well as locally in some regional surveys and help their clients out in the financial industry. So thank you again for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. My pleasure. And we were talking with Norbert Orr, who is the Director of Industry Surveys for Strategus Securities, and he will join us again next month, which could be a pretty telling month as far as the U.K. is concerned. We'll see how they're faring as they uh, are now operating independent from the European Union, so that will be interesting. And if you would like to go to jacketmediaco.com, you will find links to this show, Manufacturing Talk Radio, as well as links to Women in Manufacturing, another podcast we do about women in business and industry, Hazard Girls, which talks about women in unusual roles in business and industry, Uh, Where's Willie with William Miller traveling the country, talking to manufacturers often from the plant floor, and Manufacturing Matters with Cliff Waldman, which talks about why Manufacturing Matters, and stay tuned for a new show coming up monthly. It is called the Manufacturing Partnership Series with John Kennedy. John Kennedy is CEO of the New Jersey Manufacturing Extension Program. If you're unfamiliar with MEP or NJMEP as it relates to helping manufacturers, I suggest you Google it or go to the NJMEP website and find out what it's all about because they do some great work to help manufacturers, particularly in these turbid times. And thank you again for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.